0: She's back on my TV screen. Lois Griffin is my queen, yeah, yeah. She takes care of Stewie and does cool shit. She's a great mom, I must insist, yeah. yeah, yeah. Since Family Guy got good again, it feels like I finally found a friend in yeah, 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 yeah. Lois. But tell me, do you think Lois is hot? Did you bust when you saw her in the episode where she boxes? Her presence lets me know where my cock is. Tell me, would you fuck on a molten rock? One without an abundance of socks to bust, and if you wanted to, jack off to Lois Griffin. That's it, actually. (laughs) That's actually the entire song. All right, Um, cool. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not cool. No, it's not. It's not good. It started out nice. Oh, Lois is this beautiful person, this really lovely person, and then I'm jacking it to her. So, kind of gross.
1: Yeah, it's uh gross that you're jacking off to a cartoon mom, but y- listen.
0: Sounds like kink shaming to me, man. You I was, th- gonna, say, I was gonna
1: say, you're you're right. I shouldn't um I shouldn't kink shame like that. If that's you know how you how you get your rocks, then who am I? What am I? You know who am I to say otherwise? Um, I think you're valid. Well, king. I
0: think it's fucking disgusting. I think it's fucking or disgusting. Like too, you got to talk personally. about
1: some some shame stuff in therapy, <laughs> man. I don't know if this is going to be quite the avenue for that.
0: No, 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 no. This song is not about me. That song is not about me. That's just someone thinks that okay. she's hot and okay. busts sure, to her. Sure. Right, right. You, you know that like you know that like you know I could sing a song. In anyone's voice, I could sing a song in someone's voice where it's like, I'm always late to record the fucking episodes of the goddamn podcast. And I'd be like, that's not about me, per se. You know, it's about someone. Right, sure. I don't sure, know sure. who. It's, but, it's you know.
1: Uh, what is it? Uh, literary distance or ir- something like that, you know? Like, you.
0: Sometimes it's important to have some distance between you and the subjects so that you can clearly communicate ideas. Like I'm always fucking asking to push back the time of recording. Yeah, it's like I don't know who that is per se. Right, right. But it's important to establish in that in early on. I'm
1: forty-five minute shit right before we got. Oh, no, before no, no, no. I think for,
0: I think in that case it wasn't a forty-five minute shit. I think you know about ten minutes before. Uh, The person who maybe would have said that asked if they could push back by another 10 minutes. But hey, I don't actually know. That's the whole point of this. whole No,
1: no, this is all hypothetical that's happening right now. This is this is all hypothetical.
0: Yeah, just like, hey, Noah, I changed my work schedule. So we got to we got to change our record schedule again. I don't know who that is.
1: That was Glenn
0: Danzig. That was Glenn Danzig. You could not write a song like that in today's age with cancel culture. I just want to be very no, you, open about right. something
1: like that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, um, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's, it's hard out there for, um, you know just uh, uh, Just stupid guys You know they just can't skate by anymore They kind of you know they're getting held accountable For the dumb shit that they say And it's it's a worse world because of it Ma'am True, truthfully I, 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 I do believe it that um, If uh, you know someone like Van Morrison is uh, You know too scared to uh, You know say, speak his truth um, Then Then what's, what's next You know the dollar's gonna plummet we're all going to be eating, uh, uh, you know, uh, eating, eating paper money instead of, I, I don't know, using it to buy goods. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm going I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, maybe like, you know. I Got a little ahead of my, got a little, got a little away from me there, but that's all right. Maybe, maybe, that's maybe sort. it's like you're pushing around a
0: wheelbarrow, like in World War One, post-World War One Germany where the dollar was so inflated, you know.
1: That's right, that's right. That's yeah. like that's something
0: right. that everyone knows is that the dollar was so yes. inflated post-World War I Germany, they actually just carried it around in wheelbarrows. And it was like, hey, does taco cost $400? Yeah, it does.
1: This, that was no. That was Noe's history corner. Uh, that was Noe's history corner, everybody. I said this uh, on... Shut know? up for a second, mm-hmm. uh,
0: just one second. I said this on an episode <laughs> of My Favorite Podcast. I don't remember which one it was, but there was always some dumb guy that you went to high school with and that's, like, one of the mm-hmm. only facts that he knew because it's, like, such a visceral image of history. And, like, he'd always yeah. try and tell you. It didn't matter if he told it to you last class period either. It was always like, dude, did you know that in post-World War I Germany, they used to carry around money in wheelbarrows? And we'd be like... That's awesome, dude. I am. Uh, you're failing this class. <laughs> Maybe you
1: should spend more time
0: studying than trying to impress me with facts and inviting me over to your house every day. I
1: remember uh, I was in an after-school program at at an uh, elementary elementary school because both of my parents had jobs, and so kind of a brag, just... a
0: little bit that both your parents had jobs. But keep going. Uh,
1: uh, uh, anyways or <laughs> if even if they didn't it was just a little easier for you know I'm not um, making fun those.
0: of you I'm just having fun <laughs> keep going
1: alright alright but anyways we had this after school program and I remember there was like a study hall kind of portion and there was some kid who um like didn't want to study for one reason or another Uh, didn't want to like yeah, be there basically and one of the like mo- like the after school monitors or whatever was like why don't you open up a book just read it and then tell me what you learn. and That's so he awesome. like went to the shelf he picked a book off off the shelf and then he like looked at it and he goes up to the teacher um do you remember <laughs> on Nickelodeon there was that um PSA about sugar and how like the sort of the OSE suffix like glucose I do sucrose, yes things like I do that. so there was that PSA and this kid, and I actually really admire this, just went up to the monitor and ex- and said that bit verbi. That's awesome. <laughs> like, it's the thing that he learned. And um, I think that's really cool. Uh, I don't know if the teacher took it or not. I don't quite remember. But I just love the, the flex of being like, I think that school is bullshit, so I am going to fight back using the one thing that I know for sure, which is uh, television. Uh, shout out to that kid. His name was Alex something or other. I don't know what he's up to. Maybe he's working in the Biden administration.
0: It was weird to me that you knew so much about this kid, so I immediately thought it was you (laughs) who this story was about. No, 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 no. I actually like reading. (laughs) Okay. Again, a brag. Don't know why you are flexing so goddamn hard on everyone this episode. But, hey, I'm not complaining, Mason. I like it when you flex on me because I get to see those goddamn muscles for once. Look at
1: these.
0: (laughs) You guys at home... Can't see it, but he's sucking his own dick right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, uh, I, uh, I go. <laughs> my muscles are so big, I can suck my own dick. You get your muscles. <laughs> once your muscles get so big, you lose a rib, and then you can suck your own dick. That's it's a um, life hack. It is a life hack. The rock can do it.
0: <laughs> Kumail can do it now, too.
1: Kumail can do it now. That's why he hasn't been taking a lot of roles, is because he's been enjoying it. Because <laughs> he Because he's, he's, too busy
0: so busy sucking yeah. he's too literally sucking his own cock to take on a movie role.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah. I am I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I can't do the big sick two. was busy thinking, sucking my own dick. the big sick two, also. The big suck. The big suck. Sorry, I'm I am practicing for
0: my new role in the big suck because I'm sucking my own goddamn dick it's awesome yeah Mason can I introduce the show
1: uh if
0: you want welcome back to it's on the list this is the podcast about underrated movies music and a whole lot more it's me dog from cat dog <laughs> you're listening to a fucking podcast uh-oh what's that <laughs> that sounds like we're getting ready to listen to it's on the list folks i think that's what that sound means it's almost
1: time for the show to start (laughs) oh uh, yeah that is the fart of victory everybody the fart of victory and you know what that you know when you hear the trumpets you know when you hear those ass trumpets go off it is time for another classic episode of it's on the list i am your co-host mason m m and uh you know
0: that when those ass trumpets start the mouth trumpets are about to start and it's about to smell even worse
1: uh for real for real oh god i can't believe you did that that was the <laughs> far-
0: <laughs> we are And that was it. a really like
1: that was a really aesthetically pleasing like fart too like that was a nice sounding fart um I just dropped my uh, some stuff off my shelf here. But that was a really uh, – so do you have – do you like the playlist on Spotify that's just like fart noises and things like that? I've never even heard of that. I
0: literally just have a YouTube window open. If <laughs> you guys all send Mason the link to this YouTube video, and you can put it in the description. It's just called –
1: yeah, so you can fart along with One Mason.
0: That is the that is the spin-off show of this show that we're about to do. It's on the fart with Mason with Ma- Noah and Mason. Uh this one is called fart sound effect diarrhea fart sound. <laughs> <laughs> Pool fart sound. So the one that I just, Pool fart sound <laughs> the one that I just played for you is called long one. That's the name of the one that I just played. Do you want to hear... Let's see. Do you want to hear what diarrhea sounds like on, on this video?
1: You never have to ask, brother. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awful. Stop! Okay. Okay. No, yeah, actually, you actually do stop. That's so upsetting. Uh, that is so upsetting. I hate that. I think... I, here, here's a... Ooh. I have a question. Okay, I'm ready. Would you rather... Um, would you rather vomit or have um, explosive diarrhea? Like, just the kind of diarrhea that just comes out and doesn't stop.
0: Well, <clears throat> and each one just happens one time.
1: Yeah. It's one trip to the toilet. It's just one, like, bleh, or one... So. Definitely
0: diarrhea. Uh, throwing up is Alien? one of the most unpleasant experiences that I can think of. And there used to be actually, well, in the sandlot, there's a scene where they all oh, take sure. big chew uh chewing tobacco and then go on it's not a tilt-a-whirl but it's the one where the like the force sucks you to the back
1: of the ride the gravity, yeah like a gravitron I remember the scene in my memory that scene they're on like kind of a wooden roller coaster or something
0: my I believe they're on like a I don't know what you call it. it's the thing that they ride in the 400 blows to me
1: uh, uh, oh right like it's one of those like kind of Tilty, swirly, whirly kind of thing. Yeah, things. and like
0: the force of yeah. it, you're like all oh, you're like standing on it or whatever. I don't think you're sitting. I think you're literally standing. And there's like slats to like separate the dude or to separate all the kids. There's a scene in the out where they take Big Chew and they go on one of those. And right. right I, I used to just have to leave the room whenever we would watch that part on TV or whatever. So
1: is it, they play uh, the song Tequila under that. Yes, scene, yes, right? yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Classic scene. Cool. It is. A, you're like my sister. My sister cannot abide vomit in any media at Damn. all. Like it's it's it is a legitimately upsetting to her, or I guess in real life as well. It doesn't bug me too much. I I'm not saying that I throw up a lot, but I've thrown up enough times <laughs> in my life where it's just like it happens. I get it done with. I like take a break. I take a breath, and then I'm just like, yeah, okay. Can't wait to. Uh, I, I hope I never have to do that. You
0: you do feel soon. incredible after you throw up. Like I'm not disputing. That's what, that. Yeah.
1: That's why I would say, like, I, w- I would personally—because ra- I always feel miserable after, like, a, a solid diarrhea—not a solid diarrhea. So okay, speak, let's like- go,
0: baby. That's true. Not a solid <laughs> diarrhea. It's formless. That's the whole thing about diarrhea is that it's formless. Go off, though.
1: Uh, but I, 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 I hate diarrhea, and there's always that kind of, like, relief after you're done throwing up that's like, okay— the worst is over. I can take a breath. I can drink some water and just w- rinse my mouth out and uh, hope that I didn't make too much of a mess around my toilet. <laughs> Wait, here.
0: Uh, Mason, as yes. much as I would like to continue talking about throwing up and diarrhea with you, um, mm-hmm. I really would like to not talk about that anymore. uh Uh,
1: that's fair we can just we can just keep that for next week's episode yeah we'll
0: just do that and we'll just have we're gonna do (laughs) the album is gonna be throwing up and the movie's gonna be diarrhea and we will we will just go through and dissect both of those things for everything that they're worth um we have (laughs) we have a fuck man i'm fucked up right now that when i but this is the real me when i'm fucked up that's the real me Mm-hmm. Uh, we got an, a Mason album and a Noah movie today for you folks. Mason, mm-hmm. what the fuck album is this today, man? This is a weird one.
1: Yeah, it is kind of a weird one. Um, it is called Fugitive Lights and Themes of Consolation by the, uh, Scottish multi-instrumentalist. And I guess maybe you could categorize him as like a jazz musician or something. Uh, his, uh, the, the, the artist goes by Andrew Wasliak. I believe that that, or Wazlick. I'm not quite sure how to say it. Uh, but that is a pseudonym uh, His real name is Andrew uh, Mitchell, I believe Andrew Mitchell, yeah. yes, and he is from Scotland Snap, snap, so, snap, 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 snap You, snap, you gotta snap, you gotta get snaps going in the chat uh, Yeah, I had this one uh, Hot in the pocket after last week's record I think that we got off the call uh, With Jack, and we were doing And I was like, oh, this is the album I want to bring on Um, Because I pivoted the fucking bit, brother Oh, fuck you pivoted the fucking Because bit. instead of bringing on a movie that I had not heard every, I've spent bringing on a movie that I've never heard all the way through, seen all the way through or seen at all, I brought on an album that I never heard all the way through, Fuck. but I knew one song and liked one song on. Um, I had th- honestly thought that I heard the whole thing. Uh, I thought that I gave it my time when I first heard this, this one song that I liked. And uh, I was looking on Spotify and I was like, eh, I didn't give any other hearts to this, so I don't think that I did. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to be a little sneaky with it and I brought it on the show uh for my friend Noe and I. But this is a 2020 album. Uh like I said, it's kind of a um like a, I guess a new classical kind of like uh experimental I guess jazz. Not like a free jazz kind of thing where it's just a bunch of like cacophonous noise and you're just trying to like kind of find the the harmony in it. Uh there's melodies in here um but it's a well, I don't want to get too deep into my thoughts on it yet, but I'm just curious, Noe, were you familiar with this artist at all, or were you familiar with any of the songs? And if you're not, do you I guess my next question is Do you like jazz?
0: Oh, Mason, you gotta buy me dinner first before you ask me that question. <laughs> uh I'd never heard of this guy before. I don't even really know how to say his name. Are we saying Wadzliak? Is that how we're saying it?
1: What was Leak? I don't know. We'll just call him Andrew W.
0: Andrew W. Uh, I had never heard of this guy before, never heard of this album. I really don't listen to this kind of music, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Th- there is jazz elements of this album, but it's hard to call it a jazz album.
1: I guess it's more like new, cl- like kind of a classical, I guess, is probably it's closer cl- categorization. I,
0: it's, like, I mean, it, I it, it, and that's, up. you know, I think that's a definitely a talking point for us is like, how do you... Categorize this. How do you call this album what it is? Or can you call this album what it is? But it's got elements of jazz, but I wouldn't really call it a jazz album. It's got elements of classical, but I wouldn't really call it a classical. It's got elements of like ambient synth, but I wouldn't really call it an ambient mm-hmm. album. It's kind of its own, it kind of feels like it's its own thing. It kind of feels like it, it sort of exists as its own mm-hmm. deal. Uh, but I never heard of it before this. Never heard of our guy, Andrew W. Uh, and I. I made a, I made a prediction before this, mm-hmm. once I was listening mm-hmm. to this album. I didn't write it down. I didn't do some Karnak BS. But uh, I predict that you found out about this album on Tumblr.com. No. No. Okay.
1: So, the one and only song that I had heard before bring it on the podcast was The Last Sunbeams of Childhood. And that is because it was in my Discover Weekly last year.
0: So fucked. Everything is, it seems like everything comes from your discover weekly, not even for this, just the show everything comes from your discover weekly.
1: Yeah. My whole essence. Yeah. 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 I am really lazy and I like my algorithm to find things for me. Not anymore, but this was in, t- and so this is I think a, uh, September of 2020. So like kind of on the tail end of me, like giving any kind of care to what's in that discover yeah. weekly. Um, but I think that I was like probably sitting on my porch or something, um, just like kind of listening to music, trying to like find, cause I, I, I'm, ugh, I got my standbys, I got my favorites, but I have just such an insatiable need to find just like something new that's going to like just tickle kind of just whatever I'm going through at the moment. And just like, you know, when you find that thing that's like, oh, this is somehow speaking to me through the void, even if it's through like time or space yes. or something like that, you know, like songs and stuff like that. Uh, and last time Beams of Childhood happened to be it uh, in September of last year, I heard it and I was really, really taken with um, with with that song. Uh, not enough to listen to it more, but uh, it stayed in my head, uh, truthfully, for like the last six or seven months. Uh, and I just thought it was time to give it its its due. Um, but yeah, this was a Discover Weekly song. This was not a a, a Tumblr, a Tumblr track. This feels
0: like well, I was on Tumblr for maybe six months in 2012, 2011
1: and 2012. Mm. And
0: this just feels like you're going through someone's blog, and it has this like very specific aesthetic to it, and you're like, oh, shit. They also post their tits on here, and you're like, hell yeah, this is my shit. I'm following this blog. And then all of a sudden, they post a track from this album, and they're like, I love... The Violet Hour, or whatever, you know, and they're and then they, sure, they post sure, that sure. track on there, and you're like, oh, well, this person who I follow who has tits that I like posted this song. I better listen to it, understand maybe what's going on over there, maybe I can slide into their DMs, and you listen to it, and you're like ooh, this sucks, or ooh, this is awesome. I feel like it's kind of one of those situations, you know?
1: Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. So
0: I really thought this was a Tumblr discovery because you are probably one of the only people I talk to who actively or somewhat actively uses that website still
1: yeah barely anymore i mean like at this point i'm only in it cuz like i follow a handful of like uh i'll say like like painters and not even like contemporary painters just like old painters and like blogs that repost sure like, i know marco Sarayan or whatever that guy's name is and i'm just like oh this is a pretty scene i'll just reblog that it's 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 so i, I it's i truly don't even <laughs> log on that much anymore but well that's um, kind of
0: interesting that's, that that's how you use mm-hmm. tumblr Because I actually feel like this album is very much a similar experience to, oh, you coming across these songs the same way that you would come across a painting. You know, it's like, oh, I like to sit and listen, or I like to sit and look at this painting and I can admire it for the color, I can admire it for the composition, I can admire it for right. a texture. I can admire it for the way that it uses space. Whatever. Whatever that thing about it is, you sort of sit and look at the painting for like a minute or two or whatever, and you sort of take in, either subconsciously or consciously, the things that you really like about it, the things that really stick out to you. And I feel like this album is kind of the same. It kind of feels like strolling through an art museum. Instead of looking at different paintings, you're sort of greeted with these... I'm going to say soundscapes, I guess songs. It's
1: a very yeah, it's a very scenic it album. Is. Um and the songs in it each one has a very specific um either image it's trying to evoke or kind of uh I guess scene or story it's trying to set. And I think that uh you know, for the most part it accomplishes Kind of what it sets out to with the with the song titles, um, I, f- for the most part. Uh, I, I, clearly, I think, and even after you know a couple of listens here, I still kind of feel like. Um, well, here's what I will say: I had not heard this album all the way through, like I should. Sure. And the first time that I had listened to it, I think was th- last Thursday when I was doing my initial listen to it, and I had put it on. Um, when I was going out just for like kind of a late night walk because I needed to just get like kind of out of the totally. house and, and, and go on. And so I put on a, you know, I started from a further look at loss and and I, I really liked that song. Um, and in my notes as I was walking, um, you know, I was just writing down these like, just kind of like sentence fragments of, um, for last some of childhood "Fugitive lights of restless water and the rest of the songs, just like kind of the images that it was evoking. Um, but I will also say that kind of lost steam for me after the second, like kind of going into uh, like after everywhere, somewhere sublime and going into awoke in the, in the new morning of a new dawn or something.
0: <laughs> awoke in the early uh, days of a better the world. Days
1: of a better world. Thank you. Um, or I guess so everywhere, somewhere sublime. I really liked And Balgay silhouettes did nothing for me. Um, and then awoke in the early days of a better world. And I don't know, like, the first time I listened to this album, the second half of this, um, the second part of this, so after M. Silhouettes through the end, I was just kind of like, it made me a little frustrated, honestly, because I was like, there was such a momentum from um, the first couple of tracks here, especially um, Last Some Beams of Childhood uh, and Violent Hour and Everywhere, Somewhere Sublime, where I'm like, I can, even if it's not like a pulsing moving album you know like it's it's um, not matching my pace as I'm walking at least I can understand the settings and, and the things here and it, by the second half of that like on this walk I was just like I don't know I was just kind of disappointed with how this album just was kind of like sitting with me but as I do I gave it another listen you have to give, a give a it listen. the old
0: mate McGuire second spin
1: the Med- the McGuire second spin and so I did I did that on um, Saturday I believe which was my uh, one in, which was the start of my one day weekend this week. <laughs> because, Shout uh, out to folks,
0: you,
1: yeah. yeah, folks. I used to work Tuesday through Saturdays. And now I'm working Monday through Friday, and so I only had a one day weekend this week. But you know what I did on that one day off?
0: What'd you do, Mason?
1: I went to the movies for the first time since pandemics. Oh,
0: let's fucking I went go to the music
1: box fucking theater with friend of the show, past guest Ryan K, and we saw Widows. And you know what? Couldn't have asked for a better return to the motions to the uh to the cinema. Anyways, Saturday night I am like done with work and I'm just like, fuck, I really gotta just like enjoy my time off that I have uh now, because I Gonna only have basically twenty-four hours or whatever off until this upcoming yes. weekend. The Saturday after this show, this this particular episode's drop. And so I went to the uh, dispensary. Oh, my man. Um, and uh I managed to have enough uh loyalty points at my dispensary <laughs> that I was able to get. Uh some J's for free. Damn, and bro. so I got some J's. I sat on my back porch and I tuned turned up this album again. And I gotta say, when I was like
0: as fuck. giving
1: high as fuck <laughs> and giving this music that it's, it's attention in this album. I was re this album's attention. I really got into it a lot more and tried to, and was able to kind of, I think appreciate just the song craft a little bit more. Um, still not wild about every single song on this. Um, and I'm not like, you know, uh, I, I, am not, you know, saying this is the best album ever written or anything. But I'm happy I gave 40 minutes of my life to this uh, three times because, you know what? I gave it another spin right before we were recording. I went on a walk. Damn, so bro. Uh, and I liked it better on this walk, actually. You're um, a fucking
0: freak but, when it comes to those walks, man. You are a walking freak. I love
1: fucking walking. Anyone in Chicago wants to go on a long walk, hit it, hit me up. I'm more than happy to go on long walks. Um, okay. But that's where I'm at right now for this, or at least that was my experience right now uh, before getting into, like, kind of favorite tracks and things like that. I'm curious what it was like for you to watch, to listen to this. Um, yeah. Sort of your your go through on that.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, mm-hmm. th- I think this album works best for me when I think about it like this. I think that this works best when I almost don't think about it like I would, these are different songs. I sort of think about them as like, okay, these are different moods and feelings. These are different, like, mm-hmm. images that, like you said, I think it is a very much a, like, I am trying to evoke this image with this song, yeah. or I am trying to evoke <sighs> yeah. this sense of place or time of day with this song. It's extremely abstract, but it's also melodic, like you said. Like, it's there is definitely a melody going on and there is a structure to what is going on, yeah. but it's very free flowing in terms of how it moves from song to song and also very pastoral at times or that's the kind of yeah. imagery that it evokes but also like I feel like a lot of this reminds me of like waking up early for school in the Pacific Northwest yeah. and it mm-hmm. being wet outside as I'm driving to school or on the bus or something like that um right. so that's what this I think does best for me and I think that it's working at its best when I feel that and also this next point that I'm about to say, it might sound like a dig on it, but I really don't mean it this way at all, or I don't mean it to sound like a dig. A lot of these tracks, like I would say the overwhelming majority of them, they remind me of video game menu music. Like music that like okay. you, pop, you pop on the game... You're just kind of sitting at the menu, you know, maybe you're waiting for your friend or something who's taking a shit uh, to get started and yeah. playing the game. Yeah,
1: to, to, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe yeah. you're waiting yeah.
0: on your friend who's taking a 45 minute shit to, to get ready and yeah, come, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. play the game with you. You're,
1: Sometimes we, ha- listen, all of us have friends that take 45 minutes to shit and we love them for it.
0: Uh, it was not 45 minutes at most, it was 10 <laughs> minutes. I just want to make that very clear that your boy is not <laughs> sitting on the fucking can for- Forty-five minutes, either constantly. No, what you, <laughs> no, you
1: are. You're. You're not. You're not uh, evacuating your bowels for forty-five minutes. You're just playing Gardenscapes for that period. For that I'm long. Playing Plants
0: versus Zombies too. While I'm sitting on the john, thinking about. Mm, God, my dick looks so weird from this angle. Can I use this in Plants vs Zombies too at all? Can I Use my dick to fire. I've. I never played that game. Did you play Plants vs Zombies ever?
1: I think that I played it on a friend's iPod touch <laughs> Damn, that's insane. because I, well, I didn't have like a touchscreen Apple thing until I got my first iPhone as a sophomore in college. Like oh, I was wow. an iPod video guy up and down because that had the most amount of storage on it. And I just wanted to chalk that sucker full of songs. You know, What did you have before um, you had an iPhone? Uh, my first phone was one of those, like, and I wish they would bring these back, honestly, but it was like a Sony, I think Ericsson. And it, it wouldn't like flip up like a razor. It would like kind of flip up. Yes. So like, you know, like one of those things. Um, I, that's like my favorite phone design, honestly, it's just like, and the, I can, I, the only way I can like, if the image isn't in your... This is not going to be a helpful image, but, like, David Strathairn's character in um, The Born Ultimatum. Had that is and I was so
0: like, not helpful at all. I mean, I kind of no, know what but, you're
1: talking about, yeah. Right, where you just, like, flip it up instead of flip it open. Um, I thought that was really cool. And then I had a... Um, oh, I had a kind of like a um, uh, a fake touchscreen iPhone, like Samsung thing, just because we got it for free from the you know our phone company or whatever. Uh, and then my last phone before my iPhone was a like fake BlackBerry looking motherfucker, yes. like a Pantech or something like that, fake BlackBerry motherfucker. And I would get. When I was still on Twitter, that's how I would send my tweets, and I would have tweets texted to me, and I would have Donald Trump's tweets texted <laughs> to me so that I could reply and be snide. And you know what? He responded back to me, and now neither of us are on Twitter anymore, and the world's a better place. That's for why us.
0: he's not on Twitter anymore is because you fucking ratioed him. Yeah, because I
1: fucking ethered him. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, literally, he was like ethered him on Twitter not in real life I don't know where he well I have an idea of where he is but I've not this is not a direct threat on the life of the former president Okay,
0: craft. great. Thanks. Uh it you probably <laughs> you pro- you uh, he was like I hate Rosie's fat ugly face <laughs> or something on Twitter, you know, it gets like a, you know, a million and a half likes and all you said is ratio bitch and you got 5 million likes in the replies yeah. of the and tr- the replies of Donald Trump. And that's how Jeff Tiedrick, that's how Randy Rainbow, that's how all these resistance libs who fucking suck on Twitter were inspired to start Owning the president Was because of you So I hope you know What you are responsible for You are a cretin Uh
1: Yes Every Um I I do kind of Um Every night I just stand Out my And look out my window And uh Sort of at the Media and discourse landscape And think Ugh What has my What have my actions wrought You're like a Um, Dr. Frankenstein In that way Yeah Very Dr. Frankenstein Um It's Uh yes back to the owl. no now back to Noah <laughs> no. talking
0: about what phone he had before
1: he got his iPhone oh that's right that's right so what phones so what were your pre-iphone phones so
0: I was a little I, if you were behind the curve on getting an iPhone I was well now I think because you're older than me you're a different generation than me um uh, right. I w- got my first iPhone in either it was either late 2011 or early no I'm sorry. It was either late 2010 or early 2011 because I was in eighth grade. That was still
1: before me because, yeah, because I didn't get mine until February 2014.
0: Oh, God damn. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You were rocking. You were really not an iPhone guy for a while. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was in sixth grade in the year 2008. So, my okay. phone, the only phone that I had prior to having an iPhone 4 was an LG Shine. Which was basically the LG version of the Sony Ericsson, as far as I knew. Mm,
1: because okay. it just
0: slid up, you know, it had the 1 through 9 and the 0 at the bottom, and the 0 was the space, yeah. and you hit it three times or four times to give whatever, you know, letter you want. It was a great phone. I legitimately loved that phone. And if smartphones hadn't just be, kind of become, you know, the standard and ubiquitous, I'd be fine mm-hmm. with using an LG Shine if I didn't know any better. It's a good phone.
1: Me too, man. Because it's like all you gotta do, I guess, really, is just text your friends, answer phone calls. That's really all you need to yeah, do. Yeah, look at porn uh, every single no, hour of the day. day. Yeah, but now it's it's too bad that. Um, well, I don't understand why people have you know these things anymore. When um, you know uh, uh, Charlie Brooker and the good folks at Black Mirror, uh, you know, ch- tried to tell us the error of our ways that these things were gonna make us. Uh, you know kiss our homies in video games and stuff
0: that is one of the worst things i've ever seen that episode of
1: black mirror what just black mirror in general or just that episode Oh, i've
0: only i think i've only seen that and bandersnatch and what is the name of the episode Bandersnatch
1: made me so fucking mad i i hated that shit yeah, it too. i think that the, it sucks it's a bad tv show <laughs> <laughs> that, it's
0: not interesting even if it wasn't choose your own like path whatever that means it would still be shitty yeah. like it still sucks
1: I don't I don't particularly think that guy has anything really interesting to say (laughs) unfortunately uh and I don't know if he has a lot of uh artistic contributors around him uh that uh are helping him get his point across because I don't know what he's saying it is kind of interesting uh I guess not interesting. It doesn't matter. I don't have a thought about the, about that anymore. I'm Striking thinking, like, Vipers. I, the I, name
0: of the episode was Striking Vipers with Anthony Mackie and the other guy. I think that is is so dumb. That is like one of the dumbest like episodes of something I've ever seen. It's literally like, bro, what if we weren't gay in real life, but then we were gay in a video game? It's like you're still gay in real life, even if you don't think you are. You clearly want to fuck your friend. That's fine. Yeah. Just fuck your friend it's so dumb it's so f-
1: yeah it's so funny that like um the the got like there's two gay episodes of black mirror there's that, and there's san junipero and san junipero is like kind of far and away the best uh, yeah i've heard great things about of that episode it's really strong you got mackenzie davis you got um gugu mabutha raw i believe uh great Wait, performances got what? gugu mabutha raw i think is that actor's what name what the hell gugu- i've never even heard of gugu- that person is that real She's in Beyond the Lights Um, She is on uh, The show Easy Um, What is Say her name one more time I'm Gugu Mabatha Ra I think R-A What the hell This lady
0: Hold on okay Yes Okay Okay I've seen this person before I did not know that that was her name Okay Okay Yes she was in She's in Miss Sloan Yes she was in Beauty and the Beast Yes okay Alright.
1: She's in the Cloverfield Paradise. Yeah, I've seen
0: her before. I don't have any thoughts on her at all. I just did not know that was her name, and I actually didn't know what you were saying for a sec. Uh, Mason, I think this album is fine. (laughs) I think this album is fine. I think that it is pleasant enough to listen to. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those albums where if you are this kind of person, where you like to put on something that will sort of help you think about Certain things, and whatever that certain thing is, just, just very dependent on which track you do. I think most of these mm-hmm. you end up thinking about nature. I think most of these you end up thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, maybe abstract art or at like art, like rend- art renderings of scenes uh, or video. Mm-hmm. For me, it was also those two things, and then video game menu screens, like especially like the Game Boy era. Like, I thought yeah. a lot about Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, a lot. Uh, yeah. When I was uh, listening to this album. But I don't really have too much, like, else to say about it other than that. I think it's kind of a hard album to talk about in the way that, like, all the songs are all purely instrumental. And I don't have, like, the most amazing, like, music base in the entire world to be like, oh, he's doing Mm -hmm. this with this song and this with this other song. And I don't even know if people want to hear us talk about that. But, you know, it's fine. I, like, don't, like, I don't feel strongly about this album and, like, oh, I love this album or I hate this album. But I can tell you what my favorite tracks are. Do you want to hear about that?
1: I would love to hear what your favorite track is.
0: Okay, I have four favorite tracks. Are you ready? Yeah. First one is The Violet Hour, which is the fourth Ooh. track on the album. There are ten tracks on this album, and Violet Hour is the fourth. Love the Horns, and this is the one that reminded me of Zelda Wind Waker the most, riding around in the boat, in the different little mm-hmm. dungeons, in the different caves, in the different uh, temples. Fun. Uh, I think what I, I think through the theme of this album is I like when it does lean a little bit more on the jazz end of things when the horns are a little more prevalent when the percussion's a little more prevalent as opposed to a little bit more of the synth and ambient stuff. Um, mm. Half Light of the Cadmium Moon. I actually like the back half of this album more I think than you. I actually really dig the back Under, half. Gotcha.
1: Uh, I really like that song too The horns
0: in that are great I like the way it builds It's probably one of the more Like outright
1: jazzy tracks On the album Yeah I think that song And um, There's maybe one other um, That have That use the theremin Really really um, In a way that I think Is really cool Because you don't really hear The theremin too much Outside of like Sci-fi stuff You know the instrument I'm talking about The theremin Yeah of course
0: Yes. What, I don't know what the other track is, actually, that uses theremin.
1: Uh, I, I thought I put it in my notes, but I can't find it. I'm just looking through right now.
0: Uh, I also really like Lost the Glow, which is the last. I think it mixes the horns and synths really well on that and sort of a nice yeah. like, end to whatever this experience is. It feels satisfying that it's sort of the ending track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Black Bay Dream Minor kind of reminded me of like a dance, like an animated ballet uh, sort of happening. It feels like we swing one way, and then we swing the other. And if it sounds like we're being abstract about what this album's about, I promise you, if you've heard the album, we're not actually being that abstract. It's just, this is the kind of album that this is. Uh, And again, I love the horns in this. But that's really all my, my thoughts on this. It's fine. Those are the tracks that I really enjoy. I like it more when it leans more into the jazz stuff. Mason, what are your favorite tracks?
1: Uh, like I said, I think that my uh, A number one is Last Sunbeams of Childhood The second track in here um, There is just The way that that I really uh, Admire and appreciate how um, You know that song, to me, and especially that kind of, like, really fast, like, guitar um, line in the second half of that one, the song that was like... I don't know. I, as it's been said on this particular episode a lot, I like going on walks. One of my favorite times to go on walks is, like, right before... Um, dusk starts to settle so it's kind of like the lowest possible moment of the sun before it goes underneath the horizon and the kind of like really violent like uh, 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 colors start to to pop up in the sky um, because there's just a way that like and I guess especially maybe this is just like a, a, a thing specific to Chicago where I do most if not all of my walking um, where like the way that the, when the sun comes in and it just like kind of hits the very very top of like a building uh, that I think is just so spectacular and so beautiful and just like so um, it's 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 there and then it's not and I think that this album, uh, I'm sorry not this album that song Last Sunbeams of Childhood is really evocative um, of the sensation of seeing that like on sure. a walk on like a crisp September day or something or even a crisp May Day. We've been having some crisp days here in Chicago recently. Um it is the windy city also, after all. Hey, it has been. Uh I really like the Violet Hour I also as yeah. well. I also gave a heart to Everywhere Somewhere Sublime. Uh and actually Half Life of the Cadmium Moon. Go. Um so uh, but again, I you know I may be slightly hotter on this album than you are, even if I do kind of think that it's like, you know, I really think that that sort of art gallery description that you used is apt because it is, um, you know, you 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 put this on, you appreciate the the songs as they're coming towards you, and there's like maybe some unifying. Uh, thing between like the art pieces or the other things in that gallery same as there is like with these songs here I think it flows together very nicely um but yeah it's 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 a very I think um and this isn't a, a a a bad thing but I think it is kind of just a slight album I think you're just supposed to listen to it for the time that it's giving you um and just like kind of I don't know. I I, I think I I like this album the same way that I like most a lot of other classical music or things that don't have words, we'll say, where you're just kind of like in the absence of words here, your imagination can just go and fill in the blanks, you know, and I think that that's really, really cool. Um, Is this the best example of that? Probably not. But I I think it's a really um, a pretty uh, a fairly uh, rewarding experience if you give it your time. Um, all that to say, I think that my Mercedes valuable player for this one would be, um, The Last Sunbeams of Childhood for the reasons that I described earlier. Um, it's kind of the most, um, the song that has the most potent feeling for me and it's probably because I've had the most time with it. Um, but, um, that like kind of, uh, nostalgic kind of almost uh, like on the kind of precipice of nostalgia and elegy. Um, and just, uh, I guess just kind of um, the last gasp of, of excitement or, or energy or whatever you want to call it. Um, not a lot of songs, um, in particular, uh, evoke that in an effective way, and I think that that's worth, um, celebrating. So that's what gets my Mercedes Valuable Player.
0: My Mercedes Valuable Player goes to just the natural world, nature and lakes and trees and grass.
1: You are goddamn right, brother. That's beautiful.
0: (laughs) That is what, because that's really what I feel when I listen to this album is that. You know, I get those. uh, I get the idea of mist rising, you know, over the lake. The idea of rain, you know, sitting on a window. Uh, Trees kind of swaying in the wind. Just those little sort of moments that the natural world can provide that nothing really else can.
1: It's, it, I didn't intend for this to happen, but it does actually make a good companion with our movie this week, but I mean, we're getting too ahead of ourselves. Interesting.
0: I, know, I would say in some ways. I would say in some ways. Yes, in
1: some ways. In some uh, ways.
0: I'm going to give you some fast facts, Mason, and then we're going to say if we recommend this album or not. Andrew, how are we saying it? How's the last name? How are we saying it?
1: Uh, Andrew WK Andrew
0: WK in the alias of Scottish writer is the is the alias of Scottish writer producer and multi-instrumentalist Andrew Mitchell <laughs> We did it. <laughs> we did it. Read it. <laughs> we did it, you guys. We fucking cracked the code. Uh, Fugitive Light and Themes of Consolation is the third in a trio of records by Andrew W., which unearthed and reshaped the landscape of eastern Scotland. Okay, there we go. As shimmering and inventive instrumental music, where themes of building, where themes for, where, fuck, 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 where themes for buildings and spaces 2017 toured the architecture and industry of Dundee, evoking a place caught between decay and regrowth, the Scottish Album of the Year shortlisted the Paralyon par- 2019 explored the littoral exchanges between the sea and the shore of the North Sea
1: coastline. Are you just reading his his artist page on Spotify right now? Or no, this is his
0: artist page on Bandcamp, so get, get Hell yeah, fucking fucked. Okay. <laughs> uh, Fugitive Light and Themes of Consolation carries a trace of his arc on a return upriver, drifting back inland along the, ri- the river Tay's inner estuary, a record of low light on winter fields, empty suburban streets at dawn, the deep clear waters of the quarry excavated to build the city 10 songs circling landscapes for meaning channeling half-hearted melodies and misremembered memories caught somewhere between settling down and settling out towards the shining levels of the estuary and beyond uh, and the record is threaded with influences of people places and musical lineages and the f- couple people here that he has that are the main inspirations are very interesting and i don't know any of their work intimately or personally, but I'm familiar with some of them. Maybe you are as well, Mason. The first one being David Axelrod, not Obama's chief strategist, but the composer, uh, who was one Mm. of the first recording artists to fuse elements of jazz, rock, and R&B. One of his most important records is The Song of Innocence from 1968. Features instrumental interpretations of 18th century poet William Blake's poetry of the same name, done in a contemporary musical vein, and he was one of the first people to have the term jazz fusion. Coined in his music for his music, so that's one of the chief influences. The other is John Barry, who is a film composer who did the score for Doctor oh, No, okay. as well as won five Oscars for Born Free for so- score and song, The Lion in Winter, Out of Africa, and Dances with Wolves. The third being mm-hmm. Virginia Astley, who is a English classical and experimental musician. Mark Hollis, who is the lead singer of the band Talk Talk. And Alice Coltrane, who is a jazz musician and wife of John Coltrane. So those are the five chief influences on this record that I was able to, I didn't pull those myself. I found that as sort of a description of this album. But interesting, you know, I I don't think that that is very surprising when you hear that said out loud, that those are the chief influences. No,
1: yeah, and of the artists in that bunch that I am familiar with, it's tracks for me so that's that's pretty cool
0: that is cool mason i give this album a conditional recommend uh if this sounds like your shit it probably is and if it doesn't i don't think you need to listen to this album so i will give it a conditional recommend
1: Uh, i'm gonna give this one a light recommend i think that anyone listening i think anyone that heard this would take something away from this which is i think something um you know so that's why it gets a light recommend again Not super hot on it. Uh, Like, I'm not going to be screaming from the rooftops and grabbing people by the lapels and saying, you have to listen to this album, but it's worth your time. It's worth your time. I think that if you just need something to, um, if the modern world is too much for you, if these damn computers, these damn (laughs) cell phones, these damn, if you're Charlie fucking Brooker uh, (laughs) and these damn cell phones are pissing you off, mate, uh, maybe give this one a spin and just like kind of go back into uh, the natural world. You know, because it's uh, evocative of that. And then, I don't know, sit in a park, do something else. Uh. <laughs>
0: cool. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we are moving on to the main event. Just kidding. Not the main event. The second main event, because both of these things are the mm-hmm. main event. But this is the one that I picked, so I'm pumped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is 1999's The Year of the Gamer. The Straight Story, directed by David Lynch. Clap, 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 clap. Clap, clap, snap, snap, clap. Clap, clap, snap. Uh, Mason, I know you hadn't seen this one before we recorded this episode today. Mm -mm. But what did you know about this movie, or what did you think you knew about this movie beforehand?
1: I knew that this was a G-rated David Lynch movie. Very true. I knew that it was uh, based on a true story. Um, I thought I knew how the movie ended, and I was very happy that I was wrong about That's that. That's awesome. Um, and I think... I think... I'm trying to put into words, like, what I understood the reputation of this movie to be, other than one of the outliers in David Lynch's filmography i feel like this movie dune maybe to a lesser extent the elephant man because the elephant man is very very weird still um but this movie and dune were kind of like you know you got your you got your uh the big buck David Lynch stuff. You know, you got your blue velvets, your your Twin Peaks, your Mulholland drives, even down to your lost highways and the eraser heads and things like that. The stuff that you like see David Lynch like you see and you're like, Oh, this is David Lynch, you know? Um and I kind of knew this one is maybe the biggest outlier, I guess, because it's a Disney yes. movie. It's on Disney Plus. It's a Touchstone Pictures release. Um and it's also is ironically enough, maybe his most straightforward movie. True. But that's about it. Um, I knew, you know, I kind of I had seen pictures of Richard Farnsworth as Alvin. Um, I had no idea that... <laughs> well, uh, I didn't spoil that. I had no <laughs> idea that Sissy Spacek... I had no idea that Sissy Spacek was in this or that another actor who's in this is in this. Um, so it was... Basically, going into it completely not completely blind but more like more or less blind I guess I don't know that's good but you'd seen this before you'd seen this I before had.
0: I hadn't seen it in a long time though the last time I saw this movie was in high school um, mm. because I, I think I've talked about him on this show before because I don't think we, we've never covered a David Lynch movie specifically but we have talked about him before I know
1: uh, right.
0: and I had a friend in high school who like this David Lynch was his guy Like he was, sure, basically in every way, trying to emulate David Lynch in his own work too. Just oh, in high school, in high school,
1: that guy sounds really cool. Well,
0: listen, he was my friend for a while, and not so much anymore, and kind of a dickhead ultimately. So there you go, you know. But yeah, kind of a dickhead. But uh, we were friends for a good amount of time, probably two years, I would say, uh, in high school. Really friends. Uh, but he was always trying to show me stuff. He showed me Kenneth Anger's Scorpio Rising at his house, huh. which is the okay. Nazi like sex movie by Kenneth Anger.
1: Yeah, the like the the leather the kind of like uh, the leather daddy kind of uh, very intense movie to show to a friend. He was like <laughs> he was like you have to watch things.
0: this and I'm like I don't know why you're showing
1: me this movie, but he did. Uh,
0: he was very into Jan Svankmajer as well, who is a, okay. I want to say Czech animator. I don't know. I think Eastern Europe for oh, sure. Oh, is
1: he the guy that made that Alice in Wonderland yes, movie? Yes, he is. Okay, sure. Very
0: into that kind of stuff. Uh, but David Lynch was his guy. Twin, Pinks was hit, Twin Peaks was his, you know, that was on his Mount Rushmore of like all-time great pieces of art, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he thinks of The Return because we've sort of fallen out of touch and aren't really that friendly anymore. Uh, but he was his guy, I watched, started watching David Lynch movies because of this guy, uh, and for me, my David Lynch pantheon goes Mulholland Drive, that's my favorite David Lynch right. movie, I think as a lot of people that's their favorite David Lynch movie, it's where I yeah. would tell someone A lot of people it's their favorite movie That's true, for some it's people it is just straight up their favorite movie, and probably where I would tell someone to start with David Lynch, that's what I would say
1: Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think so, yeah. I feel like
0: you get a sense of what he's all about without it being, like, too, too overwhelming. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, right. I would, well, my my first David Lynch I saw was, I think, Blue Velvet when I was in, like, my freshman year of college. I think either Blue Velvet or... Mulholland Drive would be a good place to start but with like the reputation that Mulholland Drive has maybe I'd edge people towards seeing that one I think it is
0: more I think it's more representative of him as a filmmaker overall but I'm not as crazy about Blue Velvet as some other folks even though I want to like that movie more because I think it has a lot of things about storytelling and movies that I really like but uh, for me it's Mulholland Drive Eraserhead really like Eraserhead as well that's obviously his debut future that is his you know This is who I am kind of movie. You know, this is the kind of shit that I make type of guy movie. Obviously, Mm -hmm. a very storied production behind him making that. Took him years and years and years to finish that movie. And then right up there with those two is The Straight Story. It is right up Mm -hmm. there in the pantheon of movies that I really like from him. And he's sort of hit and miss for me. You know, those three that I just mentioned, I Mm -hmm. really, really like. I think they're great movies. The rest of them, I'm... I don't want to say lukewarm on, but the rest of them I have a harder time sort of wrapping my head around. And I haven't seen Lost Highway, and I haven't seen Twin Peaks The Return or Fire Walk With Me or whatever. So there's a couple of them in there that I really do need to watch. But he's a director that I haven't like fully embraced yet. There's things of his that I really like Mm -hmm. and things of his that I haven't. But I remember me waking my way through the David Lynch catalog in high school, at least starting to, and... In Portland, there is a great movie store that I've talked about on here called Movie Madness in Southeast Portland. It is a huge video rental store. I think it's the second largest video rental store in the country, uh, by my estimation. I think the only one that's bigger is Scarecrow in Seattle. Um, hmm. And I once I was had a car, and once I was able to drive, and once I knew about this place, you bet your little dinkly little ass that I was taking myself down to Movie Madness. You know, every chance that I got. And either, you know, because I didn't want to pay for gas and stuff like that too. I would even take public transportation down there. And public transportation is not as fun as it seems like public transportation is in Chicago. The Portland public transit isn't bad by any stretch, but it's not as accessible, especially if you're trying to go in from the suburbs into Portland. If you're in Portland proper, it's not like it's like pretty easy, but you got to drive your car to the public transportation station and only some of them have parking and then you got to take a light rail down into downtown and then you got to get on a bus. And
1: I, That does kind of sound like what it, what it is when you're coming from a, uh, the further away you get from the city, the more kind of, um, the city of Chicago rather, the, the more work you have to do to get downtown. Like there are sometimes buses that, Will take you to train stations and stuff, but I mean, at least where I was growing up, it was like a a drive down to the train station to park yeah. to get on the train to go downtown to then get on a bus or get on the L or whatever to go wherever the fuck else you were. I think that's now. just
0: but, if you live in the it, suburbs and you want to go to the city. That's I think that's that's just the way they make it for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, these suburbs, yeah, man. these suburbs are
0: fucking. You're so fake. Dude, these suburbs fucking suck. They want to. They're gonna suck my fucking dick, bro. Uh, but I went to Movie Madness and I rented this movie on DVD. Believe it or not, uh, yeah, it. I really did. I really did rent this on DVD, and I brought mm-hmm. it home with me, and I watched it, and I really liked it. And that was kind of it. <laughs> that was kind of my relationship. Really I was like, okay, I've seen the movie; it's really good. Uh, and I didn't really think about it that much, you know, in the grand scheme of it. After all. Uh, I was watching other stuff or whatever. You know, I had moved on to my next thing. I was working on getting into college, you know, all that shit. Uh, So I didn't really think about the movie that much. But I always knew that it was an outlier in his filmography, like you said. And it was always a movie that I'm like, well, I've seen that, you know. That's like one of the, like, ones that, like, in someone's filmography where it's like, oh, well, most people haven't seen this by this director. I'm like, well, I actually have seen The Straight Story by David Lynch and it actually is really good. And it actually is really weird that he directed a G-rated Disney film and it is kind of not really like the rest of his movies. But that was my experience with it. Uh, and I didn't really remember a lot about it. But I hadn't seen it in enough time and I'm like, this would be worth bringing back on the show. Give it my second ever, or my first ever rewatch, my second watch of it ever. And that brings us to right now and Mason. Yeah, what's up?
1: There's... There's one more thing I want to say. I forgot about this. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to my buddy Dan, who I thought recommended this movie to me years ago. And I texted him that we were watching this movie, and he and like I texted him a picture of Richard Farnsworth on the uh, on the lawnmower, and he's like, "What the fuck movie is this?" Dude, <laughs> so. Dan didn't Dan didn't come through. Come on, Dan. Uh, come on, Dan, what's going on? Uh, love you, buddy. But, okay, so, Noah, sorry for interrupting you, but... We're... No, I was just
0: gonna say, that brings us to right now, May 10th. Right now. Uh, 7.17 yes. p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9.17 Central Time, and Mason, this movie is even better than I remember it being.
1: This movie's fucking awesome, <laughs> dude. Like, it's... It's great! It is a great movie. I don't know if you saw it... I didn't... I don't know if you saw it on Letterboxd, uh... But here's my rule with Letterboxd. Movies that I like, I give a heart. Movies that I love, I give five stars. If I feel on the fence, if it would be a five, four and a half star or a five, I tip it over, push it into the Alzheimer's all-timers Club. Brother, this movie is in the Alzheimer's Club as far as I'm concerned. I really, really fell hard for this. And like like you like you said, I'm maybe a bit, little bit of a bigger David Lynch guy than you are. Um and i was really surprised with how much i fell for this i don't know where it is in my ranking but it, pro- it would definitely be in at least my top 4 Let's i go. think truthfully um it's 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 incredible i don't know like we'll, we'll get into it in more detail i bet but that's just where i'm at like just first yeah. thought basically is this movie fucking
0: and i think rocks. it i think if you are a david lynch head it can it can throw you off because there are and that's the crazy thing about this movie is you can so clearly tell it's David Lynch. There are so many yes, things yes, about it yes. that reek of Mulholland Drive and Twin Peaks and, you know, his, all of his other stuff. But at a certain point, and I think this is kind of a mark of some great filmmakers, you kind of forget that you're watching a movie at all and you're getting you forget that you're watching a movie by a guy with a very particular sense of style because you're that invested. Yes in the story of Alvin Strait, and you're that invested in yeah. the people that he's meeting along the way.
1: Yeah, it's one of the only David Lynch movies where you do where you are kind of invested in the story and you're not really trying to I guess condition yourself to turn off the the conscious part of your brain so you can just let the images happen to you. Like this is a very um it, this is a movie that, like, the whole goal is so that a guy can just see his brother and sit down with him <laughs> and tell him that he loves him, like that simple. It is, and I'm like, this isn't a David. This is a David Lynch movie. This is this is written by his then wife. Um, oh, is that true? This was written by his, yeah, Mary Sweetie, who was his editor. Um, I believe they divorced before Inland Empire, which is why that's one of, if not the only, movie of his that he had directed and edited. Gotcha. Um, she was his editor for a very long time and they were married, I believe. But, uh, she wrote this, this, this movie, which I was surprised to I see. I didn't realize
0: that they were married um, actually. Cause she, her, in the opening credits, it's edited by her, associate producer, married Sweeney, and written by Mary Sweeney and someone else. I think it's her and someone else. Um, yeah, so her yeah. name's all over the opening credits, but I didn't actually realize that they were Husband and wife
1: for a period
0: of time. I believe they were. I believe they were. Um, um, but yeah, this is a this. It is a movie about a man named Alvin Strait, who is fa- whose health is starting to fail, and he gets word that his brother, who he is estranged from over the last ten years, has had a stroke. And he lives in Lawrence, Iowa, and his brother lives in Mount Zion, Wisconsin. Which isn't. It's crazy. I'm gonna pull up the map right now.
1: That is. I'm sorry. What's up? I'm looking up Mary Sweeney right now. She was married to David Lynch after he made... I think they were just collaborators for a long time, and so I'm, I'm sorry about that, that I said that wrong. They were married in 2006 and then divorced the same year, so... Gotcha.
0: Okay. <laughs> that is... that is. Hey, sometimes it just doesn't work, and apparently you're better yeah, off friends. You, know,
1: you, you, you can't help it.
0: Uh. Mount Zion... Is Mount, so Mount, is Mount Zion, Wisconsin actually a place? Because all I see is Mount Zion, Illinois. In here is what I'm seeing But
1: Yeah that was kind of uh, Throwing me for a loop Because there is for sure He Zion, Illinois But I'm not familiar enough With sort of uh, Small town Wisconsin To know if that's a real place or So
0: not. My gut says it here's is Here's what I'm looking at We have Zion, Wisconsin Which is Oh Outside of Oshkosh, Wisconsin Which would make sense okay. Geographically Because Oshkosh is right on Lake Winnebag- Winnebago Which is About it looks like maybe an hour and a half north of Madison and maybe an hour 45 north of Milwaukee, but it is farmland, okay. like straight up. Like everything yeah. about the topography mm-hmm. of this is green, and there's like four roads <laughs> in this place, and it is 400 miles, let's say. It's 400 miles. And this mm-hmm. guy does not have a car, he doesn't have a license, he does not even have really the means to get himself there really he kind of is having to put everything out on the line to have yeah. the ability to go see his brother
1: yeah and he's a, he's in the first scene of this movie um he you you meet alvin straight and he's a guy that uh before you even see him you kind of hear him fall down in his kitchen which i love that like what the, your introduction to him is like there's this like kind of overhead shot that like cranes into the window and you hear a guy fall down and then some time passes and he's due at the bar. And one of his friends at the bar is like, where's Alvin? That's one thing I love. This is a great, this is like, uh, I, I wrote down in my notes. I went to, um, in, uh, Koreatown where I used to live in LA. Uh, the closest bar to me was Frank and Hank, which is on, I think fifth and Western it's on you Western right that. before the Wiltern. turn. Yeah, I could walk to it. Um, And I was in there once, and it's kind of like an old divey place, you know, like uh, Christmas Lights, uh, Jukebox, uh, Darts, Dark Dank, you know, it, one of those places that has their regulars. And there's a guy – I was sitting there once just like having a drink or something, and some old regular came in, and he was like, man, this place has really changed, you yeah, know? Classic. like. You used to be able to set your watch by when people would come in here, uh, uh, set your watch by the time when these regulars would show up. And I've always held on to that as kind of, like, an indicator of what a good bar is with, like, it has its set regulars and you can set your watch to that. And that's the feeling that you get here where his friends are like, where the, where the hell is Alvin? He's supposed to be here by now. But they go and he's in the hospital, all to get to the point where he goes to the hospital and his doctor's like... Hey, would you you know want to make a couple of small changes to improve your quality of life? And he's like, no. <laughs> he doesn't even want to get a. Walk. He doesn't want to hold, have a walker. I think he's just like kind of afraid of being older or something. He is, like
0: and that and you know. that you see that yeah. later on in the movie. One of the best lines in the movie is someone asks him, "What's the worst part of being old?" And he says, "The worst part of being old is remembering when you was young." You know, Ugh. And it's just brutal. Ugh. It's just brutal because you've been Ugh. with him on this journey for a little bit. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But that is a line that he says like halfway through the movie and it just cuts like fucking glass. Just so fucking gnarly. Yeah. Uh, but that's the movie, more or less. A guy gets news that his brother of 10 years of estrangement is had a stroke and he's like, I, if I don't go see this guy now, I don't know if I'm ever going to get the chance to see him. I don't know what his health situation is. So he fashions a lawnmower, a sitting lawnmower, to be able to take him all the way to Zion, Mount Zion, Wisconsin. And he, he yeah. has trials and tribulations along the way, and he meets people, and that's the bulk of the movie as you start to understand Alvin through his interactions with these other people, the tri- how he responds to problems, how he responds to problems that maybe a younger person wouldn't have, but older people do have in terms of actually Physically operating, you know, your own body and stuff like that. So it's a Mm. very straightforward story. It is a straight story about Alvin Strait, and it is a straightforward story about a man going to see his brother. And that's it. And it's great. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's not weird in the David Lynch normal way, but it does have some of those David Lynch, like, you know, moments to it
1: say one more time, this is a G-rated motion picture. It's great.
0: You know, I think one of the things that is most Lynchian about this is the way in which we get to see the night sky and the stars in the sky. Uh, Yeah. You are, the first thing you see in the movie is stars in the sky. But they're not stars as we normally see them. It's a very stylized version, I feel like, of how stars are sometimes portrayed. But it's not like cartoon stars that you could like draw with your hand. It's just very simply white dots on a black screen, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's like a very imaginative Mm -hmm. way to show a naturalized version of stars in the sky. And it's very cool. And you keep coming back to that image throughout the movie. It's kind of a motif or so in the film. And you're already like, damn, this is a David Lynch movie. The first scene, you see a large woman sunbathing in a chair, eating donuts and chips. And the way that that shot starts is it starts on a sprinkler and then moves to her. Like, just the fact that we start on a sprinkler, an inanimate object, over a woman who is, like, very clearly interesting yeah. to look
1: at, that's awesome. It it does kind of start like like blue velvet totally. starts where there's these very quick things. I love, one of my favorite shots in the beginning of the movie is, um, I think it's, like, a, a big tra- tractor or a big, like, combine just going down the streets of, the like, just the main street of this town and there's, like, stray dogs running. Yeah, the stray dogs <laughs> just
0: running is a really nice touch to show you, like, what kind of town you're in.
1: Yeah, um, but I, I I agree. I think that the the power of this movie and what this... Here's what I was, I guess, concerned that this movie was going to be before I watched it. I thought it was going to be like some kind of... Um, and I know you like this movie, and I need to rewatch this movie so I can form a better opinion on it. But I thought it was going to be like a Forrest Gump kind of look at the sky's incredible journey across the Midwest. You can hate sort of Forrest thing. Gump.
0: Just say it. I think that movie sucks shit.
1: I have... You think that movie sucks shit? No, no, no. You
0: say, I think that movie sucks shit. I I say that movie's very good and gets unfair whipping boy treatment online.
1: I haven't seen it since I was in in middle school. I don't want to give an opinion on that movie. I think the discourse around it is very loud. I contributed to that discourse in my own small way. Uh, Nothing major, but I contributed to it. I don't have an informed opinion on it right now. I have nothing to say other than it is not like the straight story. If that's what your concern is, he doesn't Alvin straight. Doesn't meet like
0: he He doesn't meet chairman Mao (laughs) at any point.
1: Yeah. Right, right, right. He, he meets just like normal ass people, like on the road. He it's like the first person that he meets is a, uh, a runaway young woman. Um, he's, he's, um, he's driving down the street and then his, uh, you know, he encounters like a group of, uh, kind of cyclists on, I, I guess one assumes a, a cross country trip. Um, and then he meets some, um, nice people in, uh, Iowa, I believe, uh, Danny Reardon, And then the, uh, the two twins that are played by, I think Kevin and James Farley. It's, uh, it's Chris uh,
0: Farley's brothers. It's, I think it's right, John right, and right. Kevin, but yeah, go off.
1: John and Kevin. Thank you. um, but it's really more about his sort of um, determination uh, to get to this point. And it's more about like how this journey was a way for him to kind of travel and I guess unburden things about himself and like share his life with these people that he meets on the road. Uh, Like, um, you know, at the top of the movie, you know, you know, Alvin straight and you know that he has this, um, daughter played by Sissy Spacek, um, who has um, some sort of you you intuit some sort of uh, intellectual disability, even though she's incredibly incredibly bright and smart. Um, and God, that scene where he talks about how much he like the love that those two have for each other, I think was so was just so fucking incredible and so moving. Um, but then you learn a little bit more about his life. You learn that he was this. Uh, World War II veteran and he was struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder and he was a um, an alcoholic and one of the most moving scenes in this movie was when he was having when um, he was at the bar with oh, what was his name in Iowa um, that older gentleman who was also a, uh, a World War II veteran that, uh, I think Verlin uh, was that guy's name um, and they're just sharing their um, and he's able to talk about um, you know what World War Two was like for him and share it with someone else that was there and they could sort of commiserate on that. Um and it's a very subtle thing where you just like kind of realize that this guy was um holding on to a lot of, I guess, you know, um shame and stress. Pain. Pain, frustration, stress, yeah. Um and now he's finally getting the opportunity to uh, to, you know, um shed that a little bit and shed it on this, the six week long journey on a, uh, a lawnmower. Um, It's, it's, I, it's, it's incredibly uh, moving. I'm not going to lie. When the movie ended, I just had to kind of exhale and sit in my living room for a little bit so I could just like get myself together. It is Um, moving The
0: performance from Richard Farnsworth, mm -hmm. it's one of those (sighs) performances and it's probably one of the best compliments. I think you can give an actor, is I never believed that he was acting for one second on screen. Right, I was yes. just yes. so convinced and so moved and so much bought into. This is not a Richard Farnsworth performance. That is that is Alvin Straight for his you know for my money. Yeah, that is yeah. just a guy. That is just, we are just seeing that story happen. And you know you can't say that I think about a lot of performances, but you I think you can say that. About Richard Farnsworth's performance as Alvin Straight in this, you know, I think that the two men actually had a lot of parallels. They were both, you know, suffering from physical ailments uh, at the time. You know, that either Alvin Straight was going on his journey and Richard Farnsworth was making this movie. So I think that there is, you know, there's some kind of connection there that you can't force. That is just good casting, yeah. you know, and picking the right person to play this role, but also having an incredibly talented actor in the role who can play the role well without ever overexerting himself to the point where I'm like oh he's acting you know it's like he's just doing his fucking thing in this movie and it's fucking awesome it is so good and it's so subtle at times and at times it's so you know hits you right in the heart uh, that scene that you were talking about where he's talking to you know the man at the bar and he's talking about what World War II is like, it's so amazing to watch art and watch movies where the that's kind of the whole point is that you, know, you think a guy is one way or you think a character is one way because of what they do and what they say and what other people say about them. But as the time goes on, just like in our movie Buffalo 66 that you and I both love, Throughout the course of the movie, you get to learn more about them and you get to learn why they are that way and what makes them that way and why do they wish that they weren't that way. And it's so heartbreaking, you know, when you find that out in the movie. It's so like, fuck, man, this guy's life is that way because of this thing that happened and you don't need to see it happen. You don't. They don't cut to a fucking war flashback. It's just a monologue. It's just a monologue about how yeah. intense the war was and how that you know, really screwed with him and it screwed with a bunch of his friends, you know, that he served with. So, so yeah, fucking
1: beautiful. It's a very, it's a very conversant movie. Um, it's, it, it hit the action. Um, or I guess the, the story or the, what am I trying to say here? It's a very conversant movie. Um, the, there's a couple of like sequences, I think in this, aside from the conversations that are very, uh, that I think are kind of very Lynchian. Um, for for example, that um, when uh, Richard Farnsworth, when Alvin is um, talking with that young woman about um, all that uh, Rose, Sissy Spacek, his daughter, has um, gone through and the kind of the tragedy of her totally. life, um, there's that, I, I, I thought that that kind of series of shots was just absolutely incredible, where it's just like, it starts on kind of a blank wall but there's a fly swatter hanging up and then it kind of moves around and you see Sissy Spacek looking at her own reflection in the window. And then there's also that um towards towards the, the middle of the movie there's uh when Elvin is on that uh downward slope. Yeah, that um, is a
0: that is some like straight up like Mulholland Drive shit, like, pulling it, like, yeah. two years I, it was before. was so
1: crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that that sequence was absolutely incredible, and I was so <laughs> frightened, and I'm like, G-rated movie, G-rated movie. <laughs> I mean, it really is,
0: like, a G-rated, like, it, it is a... Story contextual G-rated action sequence, more or less. Yes. There's this house that's on fire, and these firemen are putting it out. They're, like, practicing, you know, putting a fire out. And all of a sudden, here comes fucking Alvin Strait, you know, cruising down this hill, which, for any other car that wouldn't be a John Deere lawnmower, would not be a hill that would fuck up your car forever. You know, like, it's just this... Normal decline, and because of A, his driving ability, and B, the fact that he's hauling a trailer behind a John Deere riding lawnmower... He basically spins out, you know. He doesn't fly off the yeah. thing, but it's this insane sequence. And only David Lynch would shoot it this way, where it's like very close up on his face and a lot of POV of like, the sh- like himself in the fucking lawnmower, freaking out, mm. looking around. The sound design is still there. The signature David Lynchian sound design that we all like is still there and very prevalent, just done in a very, you know, understated way. It's all there. Your David Lynch shit's all there, Mason, and you love it.
1: Hmm. I do love it. I, I love to see it. Um. No, this movie is great. I had been uh, I you know I guess putting off is the right word <laughs> watching this movie for a long time. Not that I not to necessarily think that I thought that it would be bad or something. But I'm just like I'll get to this when I get to this. I was was not expecting to be quite so um, moved moved by this uh, as I was, and I'm, I'm very grateful that uh, I finally got around to watching it. Uh, I'm just going through my notes here. Do you have anything else? Uh, let's um, see
0: here. I like when he blows up the lawnmower. His first lawnmower.
1: That was cool. that was an awesome was really little sequence. Cool.
0: It's a really nice moment of comedy because I think David Lynch movies are funny, but not always in the most like obvious way. But that is a very yeah. like clear setup, clear punchline, and payoff moment. Uh, and then there's just this is also just a beautiful looking film. As well. There is a lot of Midwestern beauty in this. In places that really are like quintessential flyover states, I think, for coastal folk. You know, it's like Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. You don't really think about those places as being beautiful in the same way that you think about, you know, the Pacific Northwest as being beautiful. Or, you know, the East Coast as having parts that are beautiful. But it really does showcase just how rural and how beautiful these spots can be if you kind of know where to look. So. That was my only other point yeah. that I wanted to make. What else?
1: I I, I agree with that. I I, I do. You know, at being a Midwest boy um, and being from the city of Chicago or the suburbs of Chicago, rather, you know, um, don't don't quite have the kind of like you know uh, this this quite kind of like sort of pastoral provincial kind of town feel, right. you know, like the, the rest of the movie does. But all that all that to say, you know, he finds the natural beauty of those places. And they are naturally beautiful places. There's trees in Wisconsin, there's rivers, there's estuaries, there's streams, there's lakes, there's things like that. There's, you know, uh, stuff to kind of look at, air to breathe, things like that. And this is a movie that I think um, showcases just like how uniquely beautiful those places are. They're beautiful in their own way. Um, And not a lot of, I think, uh, directors, you know, because they're in New York or, or Los Angeles or whatever. Again, flyover states—they're um, not going to get this too much time. And I'll say this, and I don't care if it, it, it offends Damn. people, but I think this movie's better looking than Nomadland.
0: Damn, let's fucking go, Mason, with the hot take. Finally, he gets some piss and vinegar into his fucking takes for once.
1: I thought it was, I thought No Land was a pretty looking movie, um, but I don't. It didn't like kind of elicit the same like kind of um, I guess. Uh, sort of wonder and awe of that that I got from this one, being like, "Oh shit, yeah, I guess you know, um, it, it is it is the the grain elevator is a tremendous and cool huge piece yes. of machinery. If that's the only thing in your, uh, you know, for, that's the biggest structure for miles around. I thought that that like one cut to that to the grain elevator, and there's just this like deep booming, like mechanical whirring sound. I was just like. That's David Lynch, baby. There we well, go. Well, that's the thing there is that, you know, go. you know,
0: you have the natural beauty of the fields and you have the natural beauty of the landscapes and the rivers and stuff that you get that Alvin goes on in his journey. But like you said, the grain elevator making its vibration and the way that Main Street is juxtaposed to the horizon and the green of all that, that's its own kind of little beauty. You know, that's that's the uniqueness mm-hmm. of these little towns that you get. Um yeah, it's a beautiful movie. It's a great movie. If you're a David Lynch fan, you have to check out this movie, even if it is seemingly one that you would want to skip because it's not.
1: And crazy. hey, if you're not a David Lynch fan, you'll probably like this movie anyways. You, I
0: literally, literally, and that is why I am going to give this a full recommend. This is the oh. this
1: is the this is a you can't
0: get a higher recommendation on this show than a full recommend. So I'm giving this a full fucking recommend.
1: Me too, brother. What's your Mercedes Valuable Player? Mercedes
0: Valuable Player. We didn't really touch on it too much yet and I'm kind of glad because I wanted to uh, this was going to be my Mercedes Valuable Player anyway and that is the scene between David Lynch and the young lady teenage runaway uh, that
1: he meets. You mean uh, Alvin Strait and the young teenage What did one? I say? You said David Lynch. No, oh, did I say David Lynch? <laughs> Fuck, bro. Wait, 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 it, keep talking. I, I need to pull something Is it going to really be
0: anyway. a fart sound? Cool. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's the scene between Alvin Strait and the teenage runaway. Uh, that whole sequence, because that scene sequence includes the stuff that you were talking about with Sissy Spacek, uh, that little flashback sequence. And it is sort of the crux of the movie, and it's sort of the thing that Alvin Strait has to learn himself, which is that your family would want you around more than they would want you not around ultimately even if you think that that's what they think about you so that sequence i exactly. think is the most yeah. moving that's the most moving sequence to me in the entire film so that's what i'm gonna give uh for my mercedes Viable player what about you
1: uh anger vanity you mix that together with liquor you've got two brothers that haven't spoken in 10 years Ah, whatever it was that made me and Lyle so mad don't matter anymore. I want to make peace. I want to sit with him, look up at the stars like we used to do so long ago. Uh, that was David Lynch's Alvin Straight. That's what I was pulling up there. Uh, no, my Mercedes Valuable Player is Richard Farnsworth. Um, I, It's... it's it, he's got the... <laughs> Um, that is
0: one of the most fucked up I, I, things I've ever heard you do on this show. I just want to make that very clear. I don't like that you just did that. None of the listeners like that you just did that, but I'm glad you did it ultimately. I disagree.
1: I think that some listeners will like that I did that, but uh, my Mercedes valuable player is, is Richard Farnsworth. Um, it's It was his last performance, unfortunately. Uh, he was an old man and he died in 2000, the year after this movie came out. Uh, but what a note to go out on. uh just just a great performance and he embodies the sky and like you were saying earlier, there's kind of it's it's one of those performances where the actor and the character are so um indistinguishable from each other um but also they are are so unique and of each of their own respective things, I guess. um I can't imagine this movie working as well with. Any other actor, honestly. I don't know, even know who you would cast as as um, Alvin Strait, but cl- very clear MVP for me is, is Richard Farnsworth.
0: Uh, I got some fast facts for you here, so I'm going to hit some fast facts with...
1: Oh, right. Coming at you quick with some
0: fast facts on... It's on the damn list. It's on the damn motorcycle. <laughs> it's on the damn lawnmower. Richard Farnsworth was terminally ill with bone cancer during the shooting of this film, which had caused the paralysis of his legs, as shown in the film. He actually took the role out of admiration for Alvin, the real Alvin Strait, and was astonished his, cowork- and astonished his co-workers with his tenacity during production. Like Mason said, this was his final film role. Uh, he did pass away afterwards, um, and what, like you said, what a note to go out on. But yeah, uh, I don't know if he came out of retirement to do this or what, but... Kind of amazing that he was in the, he kind of amazingly got him to do this movie in the first place. Uh, yeah. The film was independently shot along the actual route taken by the real Alvin Strait. So nice. this is a, and it, I didn't put it in there, but it was shot in sequence. So not only is this movie shot in sequence from the beginning, you know, to the end as it was shown in the movie, but that's the real route taken by the real Alvin Strait that they were shooting on, which is pretty dope. That's really cool. Uh, Richard Farnsworth was going to turn down the film because he didn't like the language in Blue Velvet. Only, several pers- after, only after several personal assurances by David Lynch and the other writers that the film would contain known cursing that he agreed to do it. Kind of crazy that that is a reason why you wouldn't want to do a movie because of cursing. Some
1: people don't like cursing, man. I know,
0: those people are pussies. Uh, unlike David Lynch's prior films, <laughs> This was released by Walt Disney Pictures after a successful debut at Cannes, was given a G rating by the MPAA, the only David Lynch film to achieve such a rating, and is the only David Lynch film for which Lynch did not have a hand in the screenplay himself. It was written by Mary Sweeney, of course, and one other person, and he has also called it his most experimental film. I don't even. He would say that about. I know. This. I don't even want to fucking say dig that. into what that. that means or what some fucking David Lynch <laughs> bullshit that is. But
1: yeah, he's not. He's not going. He's not going to elaborate on that. No, one of
0: the best, <laughs> even though it has been memed to death at this point, one of the best film moments of all time is him saying, "You know, Racerhead's actually my most spiritual film," and the reporter saying, "Elaborate on that," him then just saying, "No." Now. Just It is one of the best, even though it's been memed to death by a bunch of fucking idiots. Uh, for 20 years, Richard Farnsworth was the oldest Academy Award nominee for Best Actor at 79. This record was broken this year by Anthony Hopkins, who was nominated at 83 for The Father and won.
1: Oh, what if there was a father?
0: Uh, there are no D features on the DVD other than a trailer. Also, there are no scene selection options because David Lynch wanted the film to be viewed in one whole experience. And I will tell you what, Mason... When I got the DVD of this movie uh, Back in high school While well, I'm pointing at you over the Zoom call uh, I noticed that And I said out loud Hmm Why isn't there a scene selection on this menu? And I looked it up And that's what it said So in a way I kind of predicted this
1: <laughs> That's cool I remember the first time I watched Mulholland Drive I think I got the li- the DVD from the library And it was a similar situation uh, And the movie was starting And I think I wanted to just, like, skip past the, uh, like, the titles or whatever, or, like, the the studio logo. You wanted to skip past the scary part. No, I think I I wasn't, or maybe the jitterbug or something like that. I'm like, eh, this is weird. I don't know if I want to watch this. And so I clicked, like, next on my PS3 or whatever. Like, I clicked L, uh, no, R1 to skip to the next scene. And then the movie was over, and I was like... (laughs)
0: is this <laughs> Dude, that must have, i can imagine that actually pissing you off so bad that you pick up your ps3 and crack it over your knee and ah! scream fuck and then your mom comes and knocks on your door and goes honey is everything okay and you're like screaming into like the the cowl of your shirt like Man! No!
1: There's There's election
0: from Drive! i can just see that because i think you're a baby uh just kidding Originally Chris i I'm Yeah, me and my famous anger problem. <laughs> <laughs> Originally Chris Farley was going to be in the movie with his brothers. He passed away in 1997 before he could get the chance. And James Coburn, John Hurt, Jack Lemmon, and Gregory Peck were all offered the lead but turned it down. Mm. Pretty nuts. Okay. I could see I could see John Hurt in the role. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Hurt the most yeah. of the four that were mentioned, Coburns I think would be a little too like gnarly to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I guess I could see Jack Lemon as well, but I couldn't see Coburn or Peck.
1: Jack Lemon would be, like, a little too, I think, winky and, like, misty-eyed, you know, and, like, trying to invite a lot of sympathy. One thing I love about Farnsworth's performance is he just, like, kind of lets this guy be, Totally. You know, like, he's not asking. He's not asking you to like this guy. He just kind of trusts that you naturally do. Because, yeah. you know, he's... he's he's stubborn yes but he's determined (laughs) um and he has he's carrying a lot of I think uh he's carrying a lot of like a a deep deep sadness which is a difficult thing for an actor to um I think access authentically so miss you, Jack miss ya miss you Mr. Farnsworth one
0: more fact Roger Ebert gave this film 4 out of 4 stars
1: yeah, this is like the first movie of David Lynch's that he liked in a minute. Yeah, literally, it's the
0: first positive review he had ever given a film by David Lynch up till that point. And he wrote, "quote The movie isn't just about the old Alvin Straits Odyssey through the sleepy towns." Sorry, whoa. The movie isn't. I just like fucking blacked out for like half a second there, and like <laughs> co- like saw God for like half a sec. Uh, the movie isn't just about the old Alvin Strait's odyssey through the sleepy towns and rural districts of the Midwest but about the people he finds to listen and care for him that was Raj sometimes Raj really hits the mark sometimes he doesn't but he hit the
1: mark this time mm-hmm. that's it absolutely that's it that is that's the fucking show that's all
0: she wrote that's all the that's Thank all That's you. the entire journey all, well, you got on this lawnmower with us about an hour and a half ago and baby we're taking we're letting you off we're letting you off. Yep, the thing.
1: it is. Yep, we're letting you off at our our uh, your brother's place. You're gonna sit down, look at the stars uh, as you used to do, and uh, things are going to be okay, folks. Thanks you for listening to. Thank you for listening to. It's on the list with Noah and Mason. Please rate, review, subscribe, send us an email. Everybody wants to the number two. Get on the list at gmail.com. Link tree in the description with all the other relevant links for the show. Social media, uh, places where other places where you can find the show. Spread the word, tell us, and you know, uh, tell your friends. And you know what? Very very shortly, we're gonna have some cool things that you, the listener, can own and um, tell uh, and and show off to all your friends that you listen to this cool podcast. So keep an eye out for that. That will be coming up very very shortly, I think. Um, for me, I'm Mason. You can find me on Letterbox Instagram. Links in all those in the description. You can follow my Instagram, Good Sky Tonight, uh, for other cool pictures of nature because nature and the sky is cool, and I like it. Um, I think that'll do it for me this time. Noe, what about you? What you got going on? What's happening, brother?
0: Uh, Mason, you know what time it is. <laughs>
1: uh oh. <laughs> What
0: time is it? What what time is it? It's time for me to say my plugs, even though I forgot to write them down in my notes. Uh, Okay, if you want to find me, you can find me on, you guessed it, social media. You can find me on Letterboxd, at Moa Narger. You can find me on Twitter, at Noah Marger. You can find me on Instagram, at Noah.Marger. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast. The podcast about people's favorite things. This week I am talking to singer-songwriter Maya Lucia about Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens. Very good ep. Hell yeah. Very good, fun ep, very interesting ep. Do not miss it. You can also watch sketch comedy that I do with Fed, Your Local Government at YLG.world. That's dot with a period. As well as our YouTube channel, Your Local Government Comedy on YouTube. All those things are in the link tree. All those things are in the show link tree. Check out that show link tree. Give Mason and I a little follow if you're not already. Follow us on those other little things that we said. Listen to our other shit. And I have an other recommendo. And Mason, you do? yes I do. You actually gave an other recommendo for this thing many moons ago. So I am going to give an other recommendo for it because I finally got around to it and uh, I'm still thinking about it. And I watched it like five days ago. Uh, This is the 2020 film Pretend That You Love Me by Joel Haver. Um,
1: Yes, you did. You did watch this movie. This is
0: one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, actually. And that's crazy to say because it is a movie that a guy basically made entirely by himself outside of having some other actors in the movie. And it is free to watch on YouTube. If you don't know who Joel Haver is, he is a very accomplished, very versatile film prolific. director, very prolific film director on YouTube. If you like his stuff, so you got, he's got a Patreon. He doesn't need us to, you know, spout his good praises. He's got enough of a following, but like, check out this movie. It's 90 minutes of your life, and I think you just will be better after having watched this movie for 90 minutes. It's that good. You, it's one of the best yeah. movies I've ever seen, uh, and it's like, I don't have like an official top 20 or like an official top 50, but it is fucking flown to the top of my favorite movies of all time and I'm still thinking about it five days later it is so nuts that's what
1: happens with that that's what happens with that fucking movie yeah um, yeah I'm glad that you finally watched it I think we'll just have to talk more about this off mic but if one I think that ended up actually on my top 10 of the year actually of the year of our lower 2020 is one of my favorite movies Um, but uh, definitely recommend that one folks check it out like Noah said free on YouTube um, but here's what we will say to close out this week's episode. Black lives matter, black trans lives matter. Uh fuck the police, fuck the president, and uh tell someone you love them, pretend that you love me, watch <laughs> pretend that you love me, but tell someone you actually love that you love them, and we will see you all next week. See ya.
0: Fucked.